Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Uranium Market Minute. Today is Tuesday, August 2nd, and this is episode number 163. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right, good to be back with you guys again. Uh, this morning, we sent out our August uh, Uranium Insider Pro newsletter. This is 35 plus pages of macro uh, fundamentals, as well as market discussion and equities discussion of the companies that we recommend on our focus list. If you are a member and for whatever reason you did not receive that email, uh, hit us up, make sure we can uh, double check that your account is in good standing and that you are remain subscribed to our emails. If you're not a member, you can join at any time and receive all of the previous content immediately, including the uh, July members webinar that I've discussed previously that was very in-depth on the fuel cycle. And of course, uh, all of our previous email bulletins and monthly newsletters. Okay, this is going to be a relatively short episode. I'm going to just briefly go through the daily scoreboard with the spot flows, the spot price, and the ETF flows. We'll look quickly at the charts and then I have a couple of items for the mailbag section. One, some news out of Australia, and another was a question that came to me about trading in and out of positions. So jumping right into the daily scoreboard, the spot price down slightly, 13 cents, uh, really nothing uh, nothing really to, to be concerned about. Um, spot, uh, spot obviously out of the market. They uh, The Canadian markets were closed yesterday, so they clearly did not raise any cash. Their discount to NAV the previous day was minus 4.5% roughly, and this trust traded down a couple percentage points today, even though the spot price did fall, probably sitting close to a 7% discount to NAV. As we generally move uh, out of that deep, deep discount to NAV that we experienced two to three weeks ago, getting closer to that, to trading at parity with NAV and very much looking forward to being back um, in that realm and ideally pushing up above their net asset value where they can raise cash again and get back into the spot market. With all of that said, it's very nice to see the spot market staying relatively firm here without SPUT's involvement. They are sitting at uh, just under 50 million in their treasury here. Turning to the ETFs, both URA and URNM recorded, uh, reported increases in outstanding shares. URA added 120,000 shares. URNM added 100,000 shares. This was uh, this gave rise to 8.6 million in mandated buying. And this is continued evidence that there are inflows starting to come back into the sector. We have seen inflows over the past few weeks here and there, mostly from URA, but now we get reports from both ETFs. Um, it's very good to see. We're seeing some inflows starting to come back into the sector. I think uh, we're working our way out of this um, out of this risk-off moment, I think. So it seems, at least for the uranium market, I'm not willing to call a bottom here. I'm not saying that we're out of the woods, but it certainly is moving in that direction. All right, why don't we take a quick look at the charts here? URA perfectly flat on the day, closed down from the highs on the day. With the S&P down uh, about 0.67% on the day, we remained flat, outperforming. The S&P, which is a good sign. Generally speaking, that trend is intact of URA's performance relative to the S&P 500 or uh, you know, the, the main representation of, let's say, the broad markets. URNM uh, relative to the price of uranium. This is one we've been charting and following as well. Um, decent little pullback yesterday, up slightly today. 
uh, relative to the spot price of uranium and clearly in a short-term uptrend. However, we are still down below that declining 200-day moving average. So we are definitely not in bullish territory here. Um, I did highlight how cheap these stocks were about three weeks ago when we were trading right around the valuation uh, of the equities where they were prior to the bull market even started compared to the metal itself. I also highlighted uh, on the chart here, this horizontal line of resistance. We had a little bit of trading action around that point, almost pulled back to that point back in August of last year. Then we've seen uh, some resistance over multiple uh, multiple areas over the past few months. And we just hit that same resistance area two days ago. We'll see if we pull back a bit here prior to resuming an uptrend, or if we re get rejected here and risk comes back off of the markets and we head back down and retest this line. I don't know where it's going here, but I'm happy to see that we are in at least a short-term uptrend with a rising 50-day moving average and the rising 20-day moving average breaking above the rising day 50-day 50 50-day 50 moving average. Now, this is uh, now a golden cross you would consider as the 50-day rising above the 200-day when they're both moving up. And we saw that back in, uh, well, we, ha we haven't seen that, but if you extrapolate this 200-day moving average back a few weeks here, we saw that back in the summer of 2020, a couple of months before the sector really broke out. Um, the, now, the 20-day rising above the 50-day, that's a short-term bullish uh, indicator signal. Now, we did see the 20-day rising above the 50-day back here, but the 50-day was still declining. Now that the 50-day is moving up, that to me would signal at least a short to medium-term rally is in store here. And we are probably in the early stages of that. How far will that go? We don't really know. We'll have to see. Certainly feels to me like there's definitely still some risk and some uh, some fear in the markets, generally speaking. I don't think that people are really believing that we're out of the woods yet. The Sprott Physical Uranium Trust saw, Trust saw a big bump in volume on Friday. That was definitely from the URA rebalance. Um, volumes dwindling back down, trading down 2.6% on the day. Still, we are not seeing institutional level volume piling into this vehicle. That is what we are really looking for to say, all right, game on. Okay, so two items in the mailbag section here. Uh, the first item, I'm actually going to share my screen here. This is um, a statement written by the Honorable Peter Dutton, MP, leader of the opposition party in Australia. Um, this is a media release, a statement about nuclear energy. And a couple of snippets here I think are worth highlighting is that uh, I, I'm just going to read a couple of quotes from this. Today, I initiated a formal internal process to examine the potential for advanced and, and next generation nuclear technologies to contribute to Australia's energy security and reduce power prices. Uh, this review will be led by uh, Ted O'Brien MP, et cetera, et cetera. There are a number of, of people um, involved in this. It's not just this person standing alone with this statement. It's high time that Australia had an honest and informed debate on the benefits and costs of nuclear energy. He goes on to discuss 60% uh, of capacity of coal fire generators is expected to leave the market by 2030, leaving Australian households and businesses vulnerable. While renewables play an important uh, role in Australia's energy mix, they need to be balanced by sufficient investment in dispatchable generation. Yeah, that's obvious, right? So thank you for highlighting this, Mr. Uh, Dutton. Um, he closes out saying nuclear, Australia is already a nuclear nation. The Australian Nuclear Science and Technology Organization has operated a research reactor at Lucas Heights for over 60 years. A national conversation about potential of nuclear energy is the logical next step. 
yes, I completely, completely agree with this gentleman. And I'm very pleased to see that uh, that conversation is back on the table in Australia. And unfortunately, it took global energy crises to bring that conversation um, onto the table in Australia. This is an obvious solution for Australia. It's, it's unbelievably obvious. Australia has the largest reserves of uranium and uh, they clearly could, if they had the will and the, the, the political will and the backing of the people to do so, um, they could get a, an entire fuel cycle um, industry going in Australia and build a number of reactors, large and small, and really put the country on stable ground from an energy perspective. So very pleased to see that. I'm going to share, let's see, no, I'm not going to share that. Um, I'm going to highlight a question that came to me from, this comes from Jeff. Now, Jeff states, hold on, let me bring that up here. Jeff states, uh, hi, Justin, I have a mailbag question for you. I have a long-term buy and hold strategy for a number of positions in uranium companies. What's your opinion on trading the allocated funds within my basket of uranium equities on relative market strength of each position on a week-to-week -week basis? Also, would you consider using each company's 200 DMA um, daily moving average as a general reference point for relative valuations, uh, relative evaluations as an oversimplified way of judging relative strength, weakness between positions within my core holdings? Thank you for reading. Okay, so I think what he's asking essentially is should he be essentially rebalancing his portfolio on a week over week basis based on the relative outperformance or underperformance of each of his holdings within his basket of uranium positions. Um, you know, I'm not really going to tell you how to trade in and out of your positions. I'm definitely not a financial advisor, as you all are well aware. Um, and I don't want to say that I recommend doing this. I recommend doing that because everybody really has their own means of trading, their own investment goals. They're coming from uh, different tax jurisdictions, different nations, um, the difference in age, different amount of money invested, different time horizons, different risk tolerances. And all of these have to go ahead and influence the way that you treat your investments. Okay. So there is, is no one size fits all position. And, um, I have met plenty of people that have vastly different, uh, ways of trading, ways of investing, and all of them work sometimes and don't work other times. Okay. So with all of that said, I kind of have to at least answer this from my perspective. So I'm in the United States. I happen to live in a high tax state. I'm here in California. Um, but state-wise state or otherwise, there's capital gains taxes that you have to consider as an investor in the United States and probably in many other countries as well. Although some countries have uh, don't have any capital gains whatsoever. Some, some countries have very minimal capital gains. Um, sometimes you can uh, you can invest and trade through retirement accounts and avoid capital gains or avoid some capital gains. But from my particular perspective, and probably for a lot of people watching this, if you're in the US and you're not trading from a retirement account, you have to consider capital gains and there's short-term and long-term capital gains. A short-term is for any investment that you buy and sell within 12 months. Um, long-term is anything beyond 12 months and there's different tax rates. Short-term tax capital gains rates are basically uh, you get taxed at your income tax level. So if you happen to be in a higher tax bracket and you um, trade for a profit, something short-term less than 12 months, you'll be taxed on those profits at your income tax rate, okay? So if you are in a higher tax bracket in a high tax state like I am, that's close to a 50% tax rate, okay? So your short-term 
uh, capital gains will be taxed at that rate on the federal and the state level. So if I have a position, especially if this is a position that is that I want to hold for the long term, but I've been holding for less than 12 months, and I want to trade in and out of this stock, not only will I trigger a tax event, have to pay short-term capital gains on that on the profits of that position, I will have to re-enter it at a low enough re-entry point in order to justify paying those high taxes. And I also reset that capital gains clock. So I want to, I know I want to own this stock for the next two to three years. If I trade out of it and trade back in, I have to, I create a tax event and I reset that clock. So if I trade out and back in and I want to, for whatever reason, sell out of that position within 12 months of my re-entry, I've now created two short-term capital gains tax events over the course of less than two years. That is not the way I like to invest. I also generally think that for most people who are not very, very sharp traders who are on the screens frequently, who have tried and true methods, and for most people to do technical trading, you, you over time you come up with your own methods that work and you typically will have uh, very strict rules for yourself in order to cut out emotions, read the screen, read the technicals and make decisions based on what you're seeing on the on the technical screen. So unless you are a very, very sharp trader, you have your set of rules, you um, are you are in a place where you're not going to be um, hurt by, let's say, repeated short-term capital gains, and or that's just how you like to invest is by trading around your positions. If you are not that person, then I wouldn't suggest doing this. This is not something that I would do, and it's not something that I do do. I generally hold on to my positions for a fundamental investment for the long term. Now, with all of that said, that doesn't mean I don't have any cash whatsoever. That doesn't mean I'm not invested in other sectors. So if we're talking about uranium, that's a certain uh, percentage of my investable wealth, let's say, and I'll always have uh, some buffer of cash on the sidelines. Um, and that's if I'm bullish all the time, why don't I just put my money in it all the time? Because I like to keep a bit of a cash buffer buffer either way, because I never know if there's going to be some sort of exogenous event that could cause the markets to have a swift downdraft that if I have no cash, I won't be able to take advantage of it. Also, to add to that, if you are bearish, but you generally want to hold on to your positions, you can create a little bit more cash to buffer that volatility. You can also put on a hedge, okay? So that might be, um, taking on a small short position. Now for me, the way that that looks like, and this is for me personally, um, that would be a shorter dated. So two, three, four months out, let's say, uh, put spread. So the put spread, um, I'm not going to explain how this works, but it's basically a, a bearish bet using an option strategy. Um, this put spread, if we get a downdraft, I'm totally fine with riding out that ups, those ups and downs on with my longs. And that spread will provide some cash to put to even further into my longs and build that cash position. If I'm, uh, let's say, wrong on that bearish uh, thought or that bearish positioning, and my 95% long portfolio takes off, I'm totally happy to cover that short um, at a significant loss because most of my portfolio is long. That's just how I do it, and that's how um, and that's how I would do it if I'm actually bearish, at least for the short term. If obviously I'm not bearish on uranium, so I'm not trying to trade in and out of these things. And I also have to assess my own personality and my own um, emotional state when it comes to investing and trading. So for me, I absolutely hate chasing. I hate chasing stocks. Okay. I hate the feeling of FOMO and I would rather be early and be down uh, 
and to hold into recovery than to sit on cash wondering if I tick the bottom and then wondering if when things start taking off as they are right now over the past couple of weeks, was that the bottom and damn it, did I miss it? That that would drive me insane. And that's just me. And maybe you're different. So really, I mean, the long answer, long answer short is you have to find your own way to trade. Um, I can't tell you how to do it. I can just tell you what works for me. Everybody has to experience this. Everybody has to experience painful moments in the markets. You have to experience losses. In fact, one of the worst things that I think that can happen to, um, let's say, an inexperienced trader investor is to have a big win right off the bat. It can give you a false sense of of acumen, a false sense of confidence that um, isn't justified based on your experience or your skill level. And then what you end up doing is taking that um, that near-term win and you end up betting bigger and betting shorter and, and going hard into short-term call options and things like that. And then, and then you end up blowing up your account. And you know what, if that's happened to you, that's okay. That has to happen. That has to happen. And every successful investor will tell you that they went through that, that they had to experience those fail- failures because that's how you learn from it. I know that's a, such a cliche thing to say, but it's totally true. So um, Jeff, to answer your question shortly, um, would I recommend rebalancing your portfolio essentially on a weekly basis? No, I would not. I wouldn't do that, especially if you are in the United States and you're dealing with in an account that's going to be paying capital gains taxes. That's really not a good way to trade. Um, if you want to peel off some profits when you feel you're at a short-term top and try to put them back in and you feel you're at a short-term bottom, that's perfectly fine. I just would never do that with entire positions. Um, you know, and you can also have a different strategy, which is also something that I do, which is have multiple accounts. One account is like a buy and hold account where I, I practically dollar cost average, not exactly, but when I have money in that account from small automated deposits and, uh, my positions are in the red, I'll just go ahead and add a little bit. And I just do that over and over. And I don't trade from that account. Then I have another account typically with a much smaller balance that I just use to keep my monkey mind busy and I trade in and out and I play with more risky options. And that's a smaller amount of money. And I generally do okay with that account as well. But my buy and hold kind of fundamental account vastly outperforms the trading account. And again, that's just me. Hopefully that helps you. Long story short, you have to find your own path. Um, Learn from people who are doing it differently than you. Um, Maybe something that I said just right now in answering your question, help to clarify something about yourself. Um, something about your trading methods and how you like to change that or keep doing what you're doing going forward. But for me, I absolutely do not trade in and out of my positions on a week over week basis based on um, the relative underperformance or outperformance. With that said, if there is a uh, lagging position that I have, and for uranium, I've really dug into these companies. I know this sector, so I generally don't do this with uranium positions. But if I hold something Maybe it was a tip from a friend uh, that I trust their their perspectives and it, it's in a sector that I don't understand. If I'm holding that and it's underperforming and I don't really have great conviction on why I'm long and there's something else that I have great conviction for, like uh, uranium, for example, if an opportunity comes for that, I might go ahead and trade out of that just to free up some cash to put into something that's very, very high conviction. All right, that's all I'm going to say about that. And I hope that that was helpful for you. Have a good day. I will see you again tomorrow. Cheers.